yeah, we're doing this series which is uh, equipped for, I'm going to be looking at equipped for doing good. And I don't know about you sometimes, but I, I often think, right, I'm going to do good, and then I do good, and then sometimes bad things happen. Does anybody feel fine that? And, you, then, and then I look around and I think, well, if there's so much good in the world, then why is there so much bad in the world? Or why does bad things happen to good people? And why does good things happen to bad people? You know, these people that are living a certain life, then they seem to be doing good. Yet I do good and things happen to me. Does anybody else feel like that? And um, when I look at Scripture, I I don't actually see that God promises that, you know, in this world that we'll always see the good that we expect because we will face difficulties and we will face, you know, challenges. And in the New Testament, they definitely face challenges. If you've read your Bible, you look at the New Testament, it didn't probably go the way that they thought it would go. Would you agree? But that doesn't mean that the church didn't stop growing. Yeah? God was still on with his plan and it didn't change. And I want to kind of talk a little bit about that this morning, that we are equipped for doing good. And I'm going to look at how we are equipped, how God has equipped us, and to have faith that there's good in us. I think we all need to have an ear to hear what God says to us. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So if you want faith, you've got to have an ear to hear, not just your natural ear, but your heart's got to be open to hear from God to say, this is what God's saying to me today in this season. This is what God's saying from the Bible to me. And we all need an ear to hear. And hopefully today, I believe God's going to speak to you prophetically in your season or whatever you're facing that you need a word from God. Does anybody want a word from God? to equip you so that you can do good. So I'm going to do a little bit on that, but also going to look at when we are doing good, that very often we'll face challenges, and sometimes we get disappointed or discouraged because it hasn't turned out the way that we thought it would work out. So we've set this expectation, it hasn't worked out that way. So we can easily be discouraged or give up. I'm going to read a scripture now from Galatians that Paul writes. You've probably heard it many, many times, or if you haven't, it's a good scripture to hear. All scripture is good. Okay, so Galatians 9 verse, sorry, chapter 9 verse, sorry, chapter 6 verse 9. It says, let us not grow weary in doing good. We could preach just on that, couldn't we? That doing good isn't always easy, but it takes work and effort. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So there's, there's enough in that, isn't there, to tell us about doing good. right? I believe we're here to do good. I believe God is good and we're called to do good in this world. Okay, We, we don't get saved by doing good. We don't, if we, we don't become a better person and go to heaven because we've done good. We, we go to heaven because we recognize we need Jesus Christ. So we put our faith in Jesus and his grace, his unconditional love that we don't deserve is given to us and makes us right with God. Therefore, we are accepted by, by faith, by putting it in Jesus. And he gives us that hope and he gives us that love that we're made right, we're made good with him. We can't make ourselves good. Are you with me? So I'm talking today about doing good, but that doesn't make you right with God. That just gets you to demonstrate the goodness of what God's done in your heart and in your life so that you can testify about the goodness and demonstrate God's goodness in this world. 
So we're not here to do good to make ourselves right with God. We're here to do good so that we can help others and direct them, hopefully, at the right time to God, who is the source of all good. So, but in this, when I read it, it says, don't grow weary in doing good. And um, I don't know about you, but I'm not a farmer. I know we've got farmers in here, so I'll try my best to to, to speak how a farmer would speak. But, uh, right? I don't know that's wrong. But, you know... I didn't mean it like that, but you know, technical language and all the stuff that you're supposed to. But here's my basic, how my brain works, right? Sowing a seed takes some work. Would you agree? Have I got an amen from a farmer? Okay, you've got to get off your backside, even if it's a tractor and you press the button to do it nowadays, right? I'm sure sowing has changed over the years from what it used to be. I know my uncle's got a farm and he's got a dairy farm and they've got machines now that milk. They don't even have to go in. The cows just come in and the machines just milk them. It's even got a laser on the bottom that shows you where the udder are and it computerizes it so it knows the cow from the tag and it knows exactly where the udders are and it puts a machine. They don't even have to do anything. They press a button and that's it. They get milked all day. How awesome is that? But when Jesus is talking about sowing, he's talking to farmers, people that understand that to reap a harvest, you're going to have to do some work. So sowing takes work. Would you agree? And then it's like, oh, I've sowed now all over. I can have a rest. Oh, I've done my bit. Oh, God blessed me. I'm blessed. Then I'm all right. I don't need to work anymore. But then as they start to grow, what happens? We've got to reap a harvest. Oh, that's easy. That, that's easy harvesting. We all want the blessing. We all want to be blessed and have a harvest. But guess what? We've got to work again. So in my mind, when I look at this, what Paul writes, don't, go we- don't grow weary in doing good because at the right time, you'll reap a harvest if you do not give up. I don't see Paul in here saying, just take a chill when you've sowed. I see Paul saying it's going to take some work in order for the church to grow. It's going to take some sowing and you're going to have to keep sowing. And when the harvest comes, you're going to have to start working to harvest your crop. Are you still with me? Are you still with me? I think you. So if you want to reap a harvest, it's going to take some effort and some work. Now I know Balance me out a little bit. I know you need a time for rest. I understand you, you, you need to recuperate and regenerate. I get all of that. But if we're going to grow a church, it's going to take some sowing and it's going to take some reaping. Yeah. Right? You need a little rest in there, but it's going to take some sowing and it's going to take some reaping. In other words, it's going to take some work if you want the harvest. I went to Keel on Thursday night. They asked me to go and speak. Doing a great job, the students up there. They put cakes and shakes on. What's that about? Cakes and shakes. You've got 180 people in the room, and they had something like 20-odd uh, uh, decisions, 23 decisions, 10 wanted to become Christians. You know what I mean? That's what you call work. They're sowing. They're evangelizing. They're going out. They're intentional. They're doing. And then they're reaping the harvest. Then they realize they've got a problem when they get the harvest, so they give them to the church. No, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> it's like, what do we do with these people now? Because it's work. It doesn't just happen, it's work. And if you want to reap a harvest and be fruitful, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some discipleship. It's going to take some substance. It's going to take some not giving up, some perseverance for us to grow. So when I'm speaking about doing good, it's not just about, oh, being good to me. Anybody like people being good to them? 
Any ladies like a, a spa? Oh, yeah, baby. Any men like going to football? One at the front. Any men like food? Now we're talking. Like a good curry, when somebody buys you a curry or a Chinese, somebody drops your Chinese off around your house, how good do you feel? It's good, feels good, doesn't it? Whew, someone's dropped me a Chinese. Someone's treated me. It feels good when somebody does something good to you. Why? Because scientists say that the brain, how it works, it releases chemicals that make you feel good. How good's that? So it's good to do good because it makes people feel good. The other thing is this. Apparently, when you do good, it releases the same chemicals in your brain as when somebody else is doing good to you. So maybe doing good is good for you. It's healthy for you. It's, it's a good, physically, it's going to make you better as you do good to other people. You know when you do it, when you help somebody, how good does it make you feel? Whoa, I feel good because I've helped somebody. So doing good is not only, is it about God's harvest and demonstrating God's will, it's also good for you. It's also good that you do good because it's healthy for you and it's healthy for people around you. Jesus put it very simply, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. It's that simple. As you love others, as you be kind to others, not only is it benefiting them, but it's also benefiting you because it's healthy for you physically, emotionally. You still with me this morning? So I'm going to look at another scripture that Jesus tells us about. It's, it, it, it's really talking about at the end times as well, but I, I think we can learn something else from it, not just about that, but we will touch on it. So here's a scripture I want to talk, because Jesus in this situation, he explains that there are other circumstances in our lives that even though God does good, there are other things around us that can affect us, and we might think that, why is this happening to me even though I'm choosing to do good? And let's read Matthew 13. We'll read 24. This is Jesus giving a parable. So he gives stories, he gives parables so that people can um, have an ear to hear and that God can use this parable to speak to them where they're at. So he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Notice the enemy goes away. At night, you don't even know. Comes and sows some seed that you don't even know about and he's disappeared. You don't even know who he is. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did, these, did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he, pl- he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring them it into my barn. So this is a parable that Jesus talks to farmers about, right? Now, farmers, I'm not a farmer, and I know most of you aren't farmers, but you have to understand the context of what's going on here that farming was important to the people because if they didn't have wheat, they wouldn't have food. If they didn't have food, they also then couldn't trade things to get other things. 
So it's not just about them surviving and meeting their needs. It's actually about increasing their economy as a people so that they can have more and prosper. So let's read about what Jesus, he gives an explanation about this scripture. So this is 36, Matthew 13, 36 to 43. Very, very few times does Jesus explain the parables, but on this occasion he does. It says, then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds, has this gone back? No, as the weeds are pulled up, sorry, and pulled into the fire, so it will be at the end of the age, the Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them, this is an encouraging scripture, isn't it? Well, we've had Halloween, right? So this isn't as bad as Halloween, is it? Can I say Halloween in church? Right? Come on, this stuff's everywhere in the world. Let's, let's, let's read Jesus' words, right? Let's get real about it. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And you're all thinking, what an ending this is. This is Jesus. This is the Son of God. This is God's representation on earth who comes and gives a scripture about harvest. And I want to talk a little bit about, not just at the end of the time of what God promises, but I want to talk a little bit about the seed and the harvest and how they grow. Because if we're all naive to think that there is not difficulties and there is not an enemy, then I'm sorry, we're not really reading the whole of scripture. Okay? So hopefully this will wake you up a little bit this morning to realize that there is an enemy, okay, that is, is, does want to steal, and he does want to rob, and he does want to destroy. And if you haven't re- realized that, just turn the tally on and have a look. It is happening, and it is out there. You might not know who he is because he's sown it and gone away, but if you look around, there's a fruit, okay? But here's the good news. We don't have to be fearful of that, and you'll see why in a minute. Because we should have a confidence in the seed, in the good God, and what he's sown in this world. So, like I said earlier, the, the farmers understood that if they didn't get a harvest, their economy would fail. Their worth, their value was in the wheat. So, if the crop didn't grow... They had nothing not only to eat, to sustain them, meet their needs. They didn't have anything, therefore, to trade and to also increase the rest of the economy. Therefore, they were limited by their, today it would be money, really, right? We get our value in our money. You go out there, and a lot of our worth is in our money. If you've got money, you can buy food, you can buy a car, you can buy whatever you want to buy, really, with your money. If you don't have money, you can't do all of that, and you start feeling like you're a failure. Anybody else feel like that? 
because they don't have the job. So this is about economy, and it's about worth, and it's about value. And I think Jesus understood that it, that it was about their individual value and that there's somebody who wants to rob that value from them. And if you're here this morning and you think, well, I don't know what my value is, I don't know what my life is worth, I'm here to tell you that God's put great value in you. You see, if there wasn't value in that seed, the enemy wouldn't have come and sowed in that field, would he? He just sowed someone else, so he wasn't bothered. I mean, how, how many thieves do you see robbing homeless shelters? I don't, I don't see it on the news. Most thieves, robbers, will rob somewhere where there's a value or a worth. They will rob, you know, the great train robbery. They're after the train that's got money on. They don't get up one day, let's rob a train that's got nothing on it. That's a bright idea, that is. I'm up for that, mate. Let's go rob a train with nothing on it. He doesn't. He comes to rob something that has value and worth. Yes? Making sense? So I think when Jesus is talking here, he's saying, I've put something in this world that has such value, it's got that much worth that there's an enemy that knows that, and therefore he comes to sow in this world because he understands the value and the worth, the goodness of what God has put in this world. Making sense. Otherwise, why would he sow the seed if he didn't want to rob the seed? Now, apparently, in these times with the farmers, this used to happen. Apparently, it's recorded down in history where what would happen is a farmer would be jealous of the other crop and he would want to dominate. So he would go and sow what were called tares in the field. You may have heard the word tear. It's like a, it's a wheat. Sorry, it's a weed, right? But it actually looks like wheat. So what he would do is at night time when nobody would see, he would go to the field and he would sow in the seed and then nobody would know. And then as the crop began to grow, the wheat and the tear were completely identical. Nobody could tell the difference between the wheat and the tear. They were almost identical in what they looked like. And then it says, if you read, it says, when they began to, when the fruit began to come, they noticed a difference. So when it began to grow up, nobody noticed the difference. Only when the fruit appeared do you notice the difference. Are you hearing that? So you, you know, people can come to me and, and I can say to people, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, and I can say all of these things about the goodness of God, but really, it's only going to be revealed if actually I produce fruit. Yes? And there are people in this world who live in this world, oh, I'm a good person, I, I know about God, and I know that, you know, there's a God who's created people, and he's created all people. And, you know, and that's great. God has created all people. But the Bible's clear on how we go to heaven. And it's simply by accepting Jesus Christ, God's goodness in our lives, and the Bible calls it basically becoming born again. We accept God's word or God's seed into our hearts, and we become born again. That's how we get right with God. But there's an enemy who's come 
and sowed something in many people's lives, in our lives, and we've all experienced difficulties, and he's come and sowed something, and we didn't even know because he went away. He said, well, I know what the devil looks like. No, you don't because he's a deceiver and he's a robber and he's a thief. And he comes at night time to plant things in your life. Don't worry, there's good news in a minute. Okay? And you're thinking, oh, where is he? Where is he? Listen, was the master bothered about the enemy? Did the enemy touch the seed? Surely you'd go after the seed. But why couldn't he touch the seed? Because he had no power and he has no authority and he has no say over that seed. Are you hearing it? So if you become born again, the enemy can't touch you. I'm just going off this, what Jesus is saying. He can't touch the seed because the seed is incorruptible. The seed has all power. It's the goodness of God. And the master looks in the field and the servants say, Master, we've got to get them all. We've got to deal with all this evil and all this wrong. We've got to get the weed out. And the master's basically going, chill out. Do you realize how good the seed is? Do you realize how good the seed is? This is plan A and it's not changed. So I've given you good seed. Have a confidence in the seed. Have a confidence in my promise. Have a confidence in me and my goodness that no weapon formed against you can prosper. Nothing that is sown against you will prosper. Take your eyes off the bad seed. Stop trying to sort it out and focus on the goodness of God and doing good in this world. That's it. And I I can say this because I've done this. You know, I had early on in my, in my faith walk, I had some deliverance ministry and it was all about getting the wrong things out of my life and it worked. But then I spent years going, get all the good, bad things out of my life. And I realized I was wearing myself out instead of just focusing on the good things and growing the good seed in my life and saying, Do you know what? I'm going to listen to the right thing. I'm going to grow in the good things and the goodness of God rather than focusing on the negative, the evil, the stuff that pulls us down when we look at the news and begins to consume us because we're listening to it and taking it in and our hearts begin to become anxious and our minds get confused because we're taking all of this stuff that's happening and God's saying, will you get your eyes on the seed? Will you get your eye on my word? Can you not see the victory that I've given you? Do you not know at the end I come and take you and put you in my barn nothing can touch you you know and I've written this phrase it says God has given you value so that you can add value God's given you value he's put value in each one of you there's value and worth and you think well why do I have problems well maybe somebody's trying to rob that value and worth from you to tell you that you're not good enough, to tell you that you're a disappointment, to tell you, and most of us don't even know where it came from because it got sown and he went away and you don't even know where it came from. Well, I'm here to tell you today some truth that God put value and worth inside of you and you're to hold on to that value, you're to hold on to that worth and even though things may bad happen to you, don't let go of that goodness. Don't let go of your integrity. Don't sell it cheap at trials and difficulties, but hold on to to that value that God has put inside of you. God has given you value so that you can add value. You know, why does the enemy come to sow against it? Because he knows there's a value there. 
You know, if I look back at my life as a kid, I think to myself, why did that happen to me? Why did I lose my father? Why did people betray you? And everybody goes through it. You know, I'm not one story. We all go through things and things happen in life. You're still with me this morning. I really felt to preach this about the wheat and the tares this week. I really, I was going to do something else and I really felt this wheat and tares. I felt God, you know, just wheat and tares. The enemy has no authority or power over the seed. He's got none. If he did, he tried to kill Jesus Christ, the seed of which we receive of. He has no power. He only comes to intimidate. He only comes to copy, to lie, to deceive. He cannot create or rep. He, can't, he is not a creator. He can't do anything. He only comes to sow lies into our lives. You know, right, if you don't know, I've got two daughters, Grace and Olivia. You know, in some days, if you've had children or you've not had children, you can remember you as a child growing up and what you were like. There were some days as a child that you were probably sick. I said, that's sick. (laughs) It's a bad thing, right? Who has sick days? No one. No, man, we've got Jesus in the room. Where are you? Right? Who's never been sick? Wow. Okay. And Grace has days where she feels sick and it's like the world has ended. It's like the world revolt and it's like, you know, Sarah has days when she's sick. I have days when I'm sick, right? Mine's worse because it's man flu. We know all about that. No. (laughs) No. But we all have days where it's like, you know, Grace has days where she's sick. She's my daughter. She's of my seed. If you want the technical term, semen, right? Yeah, oh, giggle, oh. Semen, she's of my seed, right? Is she my daughter? Yes. Does her being sick change that she's my daughter? No. Some days she feels lonely. Does it change that she's my daughter? No, because she's of my seed. Some days she feels abandoned. Some days she feels bruised. Some days she feels upset. Some days she feels like she's not good enough. Some days she feels like she's got no worth. But does it change that she's my daughter? So if that's of my seed, how much more of God's seed in your life? So that no matter what you face, it does not change that you are a son and daughter of God, that you are loved by God, that God accepts you and will never abandon you. You may say, well, you don't know my circumstances. No, I don't, but I know the word of God. And God says, I'll never leave you. Come on, get the word of God alive in us. And we get sick and the world's ending. I won't go into that one. You know, and I know it feels, I'm not being, trying to be, you know, unsympathetic or I'm just like, come on, push through that and get the word of God. 
so you can get some consistency, some discipline, some discipleship and begin to produce fruit so that when the wheat comes up, it begins to grow what God's causing it to grow rather than being like a weed who's focused on all the negative and what's happening, focused on all the good and meditate on God's goodness and that he never leaves me, that he always loves me and no matter what's happening, I'm still loved today and God loves me and I don't care you've rejected me because my God loves me. Have you got it? You see, if we haven't got the goodness and the value, how are we going to do good to other people when we're still trying to work on, does God love me? And that doesn't mean that you, don't, you stop doing good. God said, do good anyway, and you'll discover the value and worth in you. So it doesn't mean, I'm not ready to do good yet. I'm not ready to serve yet because I'm not good enough. No, 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 no. That's weed that's been sown in your life. You need to ignore the weed and start growing the wheat. Say, I'm serving. I don't know what I'm doing. Well, neither do any of us. But we're having to go and serving anyway. And maybe God will help us. Oh, I'll let you into a secret that I'm not in control and God is. How do you discover the gift in you if you don't begin to use it? How do you discover the value and worth in you if you don't begin to use it? It's not going to come out. The wheat's got to come out. And God's put such value and worth in you. Grace, my daughter, it does not change. I don't care what anybody does to her. I don't care what happens in her life. It will not change the fact that she is my daughter. Nothing can change that. How much more from the seed of God? How much more from his son, Jesus Christ, who was born in this world? Anyone who believes in him shall receive him and eternal life. So you receive the word of God. The indestructible good seed from the Father in heaven that cannot be touched. The enemy may sow things in your life circumstances, but it cannot be touched for those who believe. Come on, we got some good news here, church. Now, I know the scriptures where it says about the seed, the enemy comes and he can steal it, but I'm talking about people who have the word rooted in their hearts and in their lives. By faith, you must remain in faith. Keep believing in God's word and God's promise. So the first thing is, God has given you value so that you can add value. If you don't think you're valuable, you need to start to listen to something else. You need to start to listen. That's the word I felt this morning. I sat there. Listen. What are you listening to? What are you listening to? What's going in your ear? Is it just your past, your circumstances where something went wrong? Or are you going to begin to sow the word of God in your life? And so I'm going to listen and think on what God says about me. I begin to establish myself as a son of the, seed, of the father who sowed the seed into my life. Because it doesn't change. See, the father had wisdom that people were like, let's root up roots. Let's uproot the weeds. And the father says, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. He didn't say it like that. That's how I reckon he'll say it when I meet him. Whoa, 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 Paul. Slow down a bit. Get off your go-kart. Come on, when we're up there. I don't know why I said go-kart, but you know, I just fancy a go-kart. We built go-karts when we were kids. We didn't buy them. <laughs> but hey, here's the deal. He has wisdom. And here's what I'm going to say, what I feel the wisdom is. He says, I think it's verse 30, let both grow together until the harvest. So we think, oh, if I get rid of all this stuff, circumstances, past, bad things in my life, and I'm, listen, listen to my heart. Yes, bad things need to be removed out of your life. This is what God's wisdom is, though. Let it grow together. 
You say, what? Let it grow together. You say, yeah, but those people in church who do me head in, if they were just out of the church, then church would be better. No, let it grow together. Have you got it? That relationship that does your head in, because it's not up to your expectations and what you want, and you give us, uh, you know, right? God says, no, let them grow together. Are you with me? And in our immaturity, we're like, get the situation out of my life. Get the circumstances out of my life. Remove that out of my life. I don't want all of the bad things happening because that makes me okay then. And I'm all right. And God's like, no, let them grow together. In other words, as Romans 8.28 says, is it 8.28? God makes all things work together for good for those who are called. You think, why is this happening to me? But God says, I use it for good. You know, why did my father die when I was 16 years old? I don't get it. Did an enemy come and rob? Something happened. I don't understand it all. He died of a heart attack. Boom. And you know what? I look back and I think, why did that all happen? But this is what happened. It made me ask some questions underneath. And for 11 years of my life, I wrestled through all of that that was there. And why didn't God just remove it like that? Why didn't he get rid of them, that hurt and that hatred and that anger in my life instantly like that? He didn't. But he used it all for good. Until I was 27 years old and I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ and received the seed and was born again. And then I began to wrestle through all those things that had been sown in my life and affect me. Why? Because God knows the value and worth inside of you. And we think, well, if we remove all these things, then I'll feel better. And God's saying, no, I'm trying to draw that goodness out of you. I'm going to try and use all that good so that it forces you to bring out the good, to love people, to forgive people, and demonstrate my goodness on this earth. And we're like, get it away from me. God's like, no, 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 no. Let them grow together. And you know people, and people know you. How awkward you can be. Oh, no, I'm not awkward. I'm perfect. No, 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 no. There's some stuff in your life that grows and reaches and appears to be. You know, the tear and the weed are identical until the fruit comes. And we think, oh, I'm a good person. I'm doing, and all of a sudden you think, no, that hasn't done anything. Or I'm going to be a better person and I'm going to prove that I'm a better person. And all of a sudden you realize you're not a better person. Why? Because the seed isn't received into self-righteousness. The seed is received into brokenness. I'm making sense. My seed of receiving Jesus at 16 years old, I wasn't ready But at 27 years old, when I realized that I was done in and my life was over and I couldn't cope anymore, I asked Jesus into my life and I received the word of God, the seed of God, and he got planted in my heart and became born again. Why? Because I was broken. I was in a place of being humbled rather than humbling myself. We can humble ourselves and receive from God, but I wasn't humbled. I thought I knew best. And I got to that place where actually I can't go on anymore. I asked Jesus into my life. I can't do it. And Jesus did it for me. Jesus forgave me. Jesus showed me how how, how much worth and value and how much he loved me through what he did on the cross. And he began to change my heart. He began to disperse that anger. Love began to grow. The wheat began to grow. And all of a sudden I'm like, I'm a different person. Did I do it? No, Jesus did it. 
all praise and all glory and all honor to God who did it in me. I'm not doing it myself, being a better person. I'm recognizing I'm not a good person and Jesus has changed my heart. and He's changed. Now I need to follow Jesus and think on what Jesus says to me and listen to him. But initially, I'm not a person who's making my life better. Once we get into that cycle of trying to improve ourselves and become a better person, we get worn out. I'm not saying you don't try and be a good person, but I'm talking about being made right with God in your heart. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God and receiving Jesus in your heart. It's him that makes you right with God, nothing else. And if you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I've just read you a parable that Jesus reads. And he says at the end, those who are the sons of God, born of God, will be collected in and they will shine like the righteous and they will be put in God's barn. Those who are not born of God, it says, it will be gathered in and thrown out and burned. Now, that's not me speaking. I don't want to scare you, but I know where I want to put my faith. I don't want to put my trust is in a good God who loves me, who died for me, who died on a cross, took all the punishment, took all the weed stuff on board so that I could be made right with God. And by faith, by God's grace, he's made me right with him. And it's as simple as that. But you know, I have to learn to grow together. You know, if we're going to grow, if we're going to bear fruit, then we have to learn to grow together. And the interesting thing is, when you get a harvest, you think, well, it's going to be better. It's going to be wonderful when we get a harvest. Now, when Grace was born, we're like, yay, we got a baby. Oh, we've got to do something. We've got to actually do something. It's going to take time. It's going to take work. It's going to take our lives to grow this baby. Am I making sense? And sometimes we get disappointed if we have a wrong expectation of what harvest and fruit looks like in our lives. So we think this is what harvest looks like, this is what fruit looks like, and we get there and it's not the harvest that we thought because Jesus is trying to grow the harvest in you through changing you and making you more like Christ. And we look around at the situation, circumstances, and think, I want it better, I want it this, I want, it th- I want more of this, I want that. And God says, well, if I give you more of them, what are you going to do with it? If I give you five more believers, what are you going to do with them? Are you going to start a small group? Are you going to get around them? Are you going to love them? Or are you just going to leave them and abandon them if I give you more? So more means more. Oh, sorry, did he not want this this morning? We're here to grow a church. And more means more. If you want a relationship, if you want to get married, that's more. So you're going to get more. You want children, you're going to get more. If you want more promotion in your job, you're going to get more. You want more wisdom from God. Anybody want more wisdom from God? You wave to me. Guess what? More people are coming there and more problems for you. Why would you get more wisdom and not use it? God says, I'll give you more wisdom, but okay, I'll give you five more people to look after so you can handle their problems and their frustrations and you can get wiser and you can grow and you can handle people. Why? Because they both grow together. When, when the servants saw the, the weed, they said, remove it. And God says, no, let them grow together. 
So when you grow your harvest, when you're sowing, when you're working hard, and when you get your harvest, guess what? There's going to be more work there. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. Keep doing good. And at the right time, you will reap a harvest. Why is it hard? Because God's trying to get that value and worth out of you that's in there. And he's saying, come on, there's value and worth in you. You can make a difference. How? By doing good. So, God's given you value so you can add value. Let's learn to grow together. I'm going to finish with that scripture. Ask uh, you just come on. You're still with me this morning. There's so much value and worth. If you're having a difficult time, don't see it like, oh, I'm not doing good. Say, wow, there's got to be something in me that's coming out then. And most of us want to run away at challenges or pressure today. It's called pressure. It's called stress. A bit of pressure. Today's society, it's stress. I'm stressed. It's not stress. It's pressure. Pressure. There's a song in there. Pressure. No. That's like in my editors. Pressure. You know, when to get the oil out of the olive, you just stare at it. In the name of Jesus, come out. Oil in the name of Jesus, come out of that olive. God bless the olive, bring the oil out. No, 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 no. How'd you get the olive out? Sorry, oil out. Press it. Press it. Press it. God's saying, I've left the stuff in so that it causes a bit of pressure on you. So it causes the good things to come out of you. And you say, all these things happen to me tomorrow. It doesn't matter because the good things are coming out of me. You say, well, this thing that happened, you know, it, it shouldn't have happened. And why is good, bad things happening to good people? That's not our business. Our business is to say, well, God, I focus on you who brings good out of all things. You even bring good out of me. You even bring good out of me. You even bring good out of me. Ow, I don't get it. That God can use a broken lad who's lost, no worth, no value, suicidal, and then put faith in him. And he gives me his promise. He gives me his spirit. And he changes my heart and makes me brand new just by faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you this week is listen to what's right. When you face things and people say things to you in your job, whatever you face, remember God's equipped you for doing good. And when you face a difficulty, you say this, I'm doing good. Oh, this is happening. No, I am doing good. Because God is good. And I might be pressed on every side, as Paul would say. But I'm doing good. This week, have a week of doing good. And I encourage you, don't run to another source. When you're having a difficult time, sometimes we run to people and that's okay. But it has to come a point where we run to God in prayer and talk to Him so that He can give us what we need. Galatians 6 verse 9, I'll read it again. Let us not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, 
we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. But then he says this, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. This week, believe that God's put value and worth in you. Don't let an enemy rob you or put you off or distract you from what God has put in your life. Shake it off, move on. But also, when you get opportunity, do good. Why? Because that's why God's made you to do good, to sow good, to demonstrate his goodness. And I'll guarantee it will make you feel good as well as you do good this week. It's good for you to do good. Let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, I thank you that you came into this world by sending your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for that seed, the word. He was made flesh, put in a human body, and he demonstrated the love through dying on the cross. I thank you for that good seed. And God, I just pray for each one of us in here that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, that God, the hope that you've given us would come to our hearts and God, the riches that you give us through Jesus Christ, the inheritance that we have would be alive in our hearts. And God, I just pray for people, maybe if you're in here this morning and you've heard that and you thought, you know what? I don't know if I'm born again. I don't know if I'm trusting this God who's good, who loves me, who died. And if you're here this morning, I would encourage you in your hearts to pray this prayer. And this is between you and God. And say, do you know what, God? It's as simple as this. God, I trust you with my heart. I accept that Jesus is the Son of God. And I accept your forgiveness. Forgive me of my past. I thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, if you've prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to do something. We don't always do this, but I want you to, as a signal that I've done it, just to lift up your hand. If you've prayed that prayer, to just lift up your hands. It's between you and God. And God, I thank you for these people that have made a decision in their hearts to trust you. Father, I pray that you would fill them with your spirit. Your word would be at the forefront of their hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You would empower them, put value and worth into their lives. May they grow and be wheat in the kingdom of God. May they produce a harvest in their lives and testify of your goodness in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, wheat, tares. Don't worry about the tares. Get your wheat on this week. Keep doing good. God's put value and worth in you. Don't let anybody rob it. Shake it off. Why do bad things happen? Well, I believe there's an enemy in this world. I don't understand it all, but I just know that there's good news. There's a hope that we have. Hold on to it by putting your faith in Christ and keep doing good. And we'll reap a harvest.